This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. You may be seated. Again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. I'm going to jump right in. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 8 says this, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. This morning we are concluding a series that we have done now, I guess it's uh, four weeks. Last week we had a, a guest with us, a gentleman by the name of Ben Shetler, and he's an apologist, and he shared um, uh, several different things last week, and I hope you enjoyed him if you were able to be here, but truth in love isn't something that just happens. Truth in love is something that's, uh, it, it really starts even before what we just read here. Paul, chap, Paul is uh, writing, and he's re- writing to the Ephesian church, and he's saying some of these things, and really it, be, it starts with salvation but as I read this passage of scripture and we'll we'll move into chapter four but as I read this passage of scripture I I can't help but think of this truth in love is next to impossible to happen outside of humility Paul writes here and he says unto me who am the who am less than the least of all the saints In 1 Corinthians 15, he says something very similar. He was the least of the apostles. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, that he was the chiefest of sinners. Paul was writing, Paul was sharing and loving the people that he loved, but Paul was humble. Paul was thankful for the restoration, for the newness of life that came at salvation for him. Maybe Paul was just completely blown away that God would reveal to him his mysteries. That God would use the word of God, that God would would speak to him, that God would show him those mysteries into his heart, that God would allow him to preach, though he genuinely apparently thought that he was the least of all, but yet He was blown away that God would use him to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. This morning, I start in the sermon and the introduction looking at truth in love with this. It starts with humility before God. There isn't one of us here or one of us in the world that truth in love, acting out truth in love, can take place until we humble ourselves before God and say, I am unworthy, I need a Savior. It does not happen until then. Until we recognize our brokenness. Until we recognize the separation between you and I and our lives because of sin and Jesus Christ. We can't begin to see the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
We can't begin to see the mysteries of God that He has for you and I. Thus, we can't live out truth and love. Truth and love does not just happen because we have answers and knowledge in our heads. It isn't that you can give an answer to somebody. It's so much deeper than that. And I know that we know this, but I I truly believe this. I believe that most people that sit in this room, most people that sit in churches all across this valley, all across this country, I would say many people would be able to give an answer because we have knowledge inside of our heads. I believe few people genuinely give an answer with truth in love. It's not about what we know. It's about what we live. It's about what we have and know in our heart and how we live it out in our lives. It's deeper than just having knowledge. It's deeper than sitting on a, in a church on Sunday morning. I've sat in church my entire life, literally my entire life. But that does not make me able to live truth and love. Because the head knowledge simply gives me answers. Far too many people have a lot of answers. It's knowing Him in our heart that transforms us. It's living it daily. It's speaking of it daily. It's understanding that I am the least of these. As Paul said, in Christ, there is such a spiritual wealth A limitless wealth that is at our fingertips, that is transforming us when we place faith in Him. It transforms us. We went from, let's think about this, we went, spiritually speaking, we went from being paupers or the poorest of the poorest of the poorest to literally being called an heir of God. And at our fingertips, if you will, because that's just a word we use or a phrase we use, but at our fingertips, we have the greatest strength and power if we would just simply tap into it. If I would simply do something (laughs) with it. And Paul is kind of writing in this passage of Scripture, there's a lot that's here, but Paul's writing the beginning of Ephesians is, is a lot of doctrinal truths and a lot of foundational pieces and it comes to the passages that we're looking at today that takes it from just kind of the knowledge of what the doctrines are and the teachings of all of those things and Paul is now saying hey all of those are great but we've got to act it my prayer for you is that we live it that you would live it that you would take it in that you would we we would just take what God has and we would apply it to our lives that we would know it in our heart and then we would do something with it is kind of Paul's writing and prayer in this point Truth and love starts in the Word of God, being revealed in our spirit, knowing Him as Savior. And Paul, in many ways, is just saying, wow, wow, I have been, these mysteries have been revealed to me, but I, I'm being used. God wants to do something with me. I don't know how many times you stop and think and go, wow, God might use me. God has something for you. And so often, 
we sit back and we're just kind of like, well, I'll attend church today. You know, I'm doing okay. (laughs) Family's doing all right. God doesn't want you to be okay. (laughs) There's nothing in Scripture. There's nothing that I have been called to do that God's just like, yeah, if you're just living an all right life, you're good. There's one that wants you to live an all right life and feel okay, and it isn't God. It's the enemy, because if you live an all right life and you're okay, and you attend on Sunday, he wins. But when you get excited, I don't know all of the story here, but there was a time when it clicked in their minds of, wow, I can go to a country and serve by my medical abilities. At that point, and it wasn't that these guys weren't being used before that, but at that point, there was a whole different world. Everything changes. When we grasp a hold of the fact that God has something special for us, the unsearchable riches of God are available to you and to me. What do I do with it? What do I do with it? And God says this in this passage of Scripture, in verse number 12, in whom we have boldness and access through faith in Him. I believe most of us desire to speak truth and love. I also believe most in this room and churches around have the knowledge of the Word to give the answer, but we choose not to because we don't walk the walk loving Christ. I'm going to jump right in because of sake of time. And y'all are really quiet this morning. We're missing something going on here. But uh, truth and love, I believe, happens very intentionally. It's not an accident. See, it's not an accident when I set my alarm and I wake up in the morning and I read God's Word. It's not an accident. It's intentional. It's not an accident when God puts somebody in your life and you take the opportunity to do something with that. That's not an accident. That's you walking with God and taking advantage of something that's been placed right in front of you. However, there are a lot of times when my world is over here and things are over here and things are over here and nothing is intentional in my life. And so when that happens right in front of me, I'm like, oh, hey, how are you? I hope you're good. And let's move on with our life. We miss that God has given us an opportunity, intentional. Truth and love is intentional. So I'll start with that kind of in the introduction. Truth and love is intentional. But this morning, I want to give us a couple very practical things, I believe, to help us with some of the hows. How do you live truth and love? How do we do it? Because I feel, and I believe that most of you would feel the same way, A lot of us feel that we're living truth and love when somebody posts something dumb on Facebook and you give a great godly response right back at them. That's not a way to live truth and love. It's just not. Somebody tell me the one argument on Facebook that was Won or lost that just really pointed people to Jesus. I'm sure somebody could say it was there. I don't know that I found it. The delete button, yes. It's deeper than that. 
most of our truth and love comes in this. Let's get in an argument. I'm going to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. And we're good. Truth and love has nothing to do with an argument and you winning or losing. It's an action. It's deeper than that. And I believe the passages that we'll look at this morning are going to share some of those things. Truth and love comes through the strength of His Spirit. Truth and love comes from the the grace of God to equip the saints. And truth and love is an action of the heart. If you would go with me to Romans, Ephesians chapter 4. I don't know where Romans came from. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look, I believe on your uh, little outline, the handout that was given this morning, it says 15 and 16. Um, I'm going to jump back a couple verses, so I know these aren't all, I think these might be on the screens. But anyway, verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they wait or they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And uh, Lord, I pray over these next few minutes that your word would uh, tug upon our hearts, that your spirit would move upon us. Lord, I pray that we would just open our hearts, that we would uh, ask you to speak to us, that we would not just sit here because this is what we do, but that we would genuinely and truly ask, God, give me something today because I need you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought is this, the truth in love comes through the strength of his spirit. Paul is saying here, if we were to go back through all of this passage of scripture, uh, he makes reference for this reason, for this reason in chapter number three. And here's the hard part about today. And just so you're aware up front, um, I initially thought I'll take this passage of scripture. We'll take a couple verses. You can't. I couldn't. So if you take a couple verses that we would not be tossed to and fro and then that we would then speak truth and love. I thought in my mind when I started the initial thought of this passage of scripture was months ago and I thought we'll just we'll end the series with this and we'll challenge everybody to go and give an answer and you can have an answer. The reality is this you can't (laughs) if you don't go back through everything that's leading up to this uh, we're a mess. So I'm going to do my best to give you about two and a half chapters in the next like 20 minutes. It's really difficult, but that's what we're going to do today. And so to start here, the strength of his spirit, truth in love comes through the strength of his spirit. If we were to go back to chapter three, it says this at the very beginning of chapter three, for this cause, I, Paul, for this cause, it's for this reason. Why in the world am I writing this? Why am I saying this? Well, guess what? You can't, if it says that, for this cause. What's the cause? Where do I have to go? Bible class, where do we have to go? Before. So that means we have to go back a little bit further. Chapter number two. If you are to go back into chapter number two, it begins to say what that cause is. 
It's deeper than anything. They aren't any longer strangers. They are building their lives. And so if we were to go back to chapter 2, I'm not reading all this. You're going to have to go on your own. I encourage you, go back and study all of this. Because I'm just going to skim a lot of this. But if you're to go back into chapter 2 and begin to look at some of the cause that Paul's writing, he's beginning to go back and speak of the, the new condition, being alive to God, being open to God. They're no longer strangers. This cause, this reason, they have come to know Christ. They are now spiritually alive in Him. They are no longer strangers. They are building their lives upon a foundation of the teaching of the Word of God. Because of that, therefore, for this reason, that we are now the dwelling place of God, that we have found this new power in God, for all of these things, this is where we come into that they would, Paul is saying, now would you take all of this, and we'll get to this part, and do something with it. Would we now do something with it? Truth and love, where does it come from? The strength of God's Spirit working in, the, in us, in the inner man, and we'll get to that passage of Scripture, so that now we can move forward and we can live truth and love. So we've got to get there, and we will. Paul is saying, God, would you grant them from his riches and glory? What are his riches? What are the riches of God? What are God's riches? They're limitless. God's riches are limitless. If I were to say, you're, like, if, if, if this was written about me to you, my riches, that you would be granted according to my riches to you. You ain't getting very far. Extremely limited. But no, this is written and it says that according to his riches, God's riches. It says in chapter 3 and verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. That's where we get this point at. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, or exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. When we look at this passage of scripture, that we would be strengthened, Paul is writing that that for this cause, all of the things that we just talked about, all of that, that we would come to know Christ, that we are growing in Christ, for this cause, I go to my knees, I bow my knees, and that God would grant you, that would be me speaking to you, the church, that God would grant you according to His riches, limitless, boundless, that you would have the strength. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Paul's prayer is that you would be granted, that that church would be granted according to his riches and glory, to be strengthened. 
that they would have and use the spiritual power that is within them. We'll touch on this in just a minute, but chapter number four and verse one, therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you would walk worthy. How am I going to walk worthy? When we look at this passage of scripture, what is it to walk worthy? It is right here, all of the things that we're looking at. That we get to tap in to the spiritual riches and wealth and power of God Almighty. How in the world can I live a life of truth in love? How do I do that? According to his riches, that he is strengthening me to move forward, to grow in that. The source of living out truth in love. I can't help but think that I cannot speak truth in love without his riches, without his limitless wealth pouring into me. I, I in and of myself, you in and of yourself, and you might think differently than yourself, but I'm here to tell you and I'm here to love you in love. I'm saying this in love. You don't love anybody in yourself. In and of myself, there is one person that I love, and it's right here. That's it. In my sinful state, as me, Aaron Flanagan, not knowing Jesus Christ as Savior, there is one person that I love, and it's right here. I don't want to be kind to you. I don't want to be thoughtful of you. I really don't care about you. In my sinful state, not knowing Christ as Savior, I don't want to love you. I'm trying to teach my children some of these things right now. Prefer one another. Have you ever tried to teach your children to prefer one another? We don't desire to do that in and of ourselves. But as we grow up, as we mature, as we do, we understand there's certain things that just aren't worth fighting for. Have you ever figured that out? I hope at some point in your life you've figured out there's some things not worth arguing over. But as we go through this and as we look at these things, the source, the, the reality of this, how do I do this? How am I to live truth in love? It comes from the strength of His Spirit. Because in and of me, I have no desire to do that. My desire is that I am right and you are wrong. It's in Christ that I can love. God's riches are this. If we were to go back to chapter number one, in verse number four, it says that part of his riches are that he chose us before the foundation of the world. Verse number seven, his redemption and forgiveness are a part of that rich, those riches. Chapter or verse number nine, making known the mystery of his will. Part of God's great riches are that I can open the word of God and as I have accepted him, the spirit lives within me and I begin to understand the mysteries of God's word. And I begin to understand the will of God in my life. Man, that's incredible to me that God would think that he would live inside of me and he would allow me to understand some of the mysteries of God. If we're to go to chapter 1 and 11, again, one part of the God's riches are his inheritance. I have part of the inheritance of God. I'm an heir of God. And that list goes on and on. 
Sometimes we think of this passage of Scripture, we think of other passages of Scripture, and we would think, man, the riches of God. If God is rich, then why do I not have this, (laughs) right? Why do I not have that house? Why do I not have that car? Why doesn't God just bless me with all of the things that I would ever desire to have? But here's what's awesome. See, the riches of God are not just physical things that we attain Part of this and a lot of this, the majority of this, is that God's riches to you. See, if you know Christ as Savior, God has given you a gift. God has given us spiritual gifts that we can use. But here's the problem. Here's my problem. I can't speak to your problem. My problem is this. I can do it on my own. Anybody else have a problem like that? My problem is I'm pretty sure I could do everything on my own. I'll handle it. See, I could come up here every Sunday and I can preach a sermon on my own. Do you know why I know that? Sadly, it's happened before. I could go all week and I could write a sermon. I can put a lot of educational notes together and I can present it to you. And there are times... That I have stood here, and it's been far more on my own than truly me just saying, God, I cannot do this today. I need you. You might look at me and go, wow, you're the pastor. (laughs) See, the problem with being the pastor is sometimes you share things like that, and you all look at me like, how dare he? I'm going to assume there's been a day in your life that you've not tapped into the Spirit of God at your place of work. (laughs) Just a thought. But your place of work is here. Yes, I'm still human. But anyway, the riches of God are that. (laughs) That I have the opportunity to tap into God's riches that He can do in and through me things that I could never, what's the word of God say, think or imagine. The riches of God desires to go into you, to fill you, to use you, to do something that you could never do on your own. It's not that He provides more finances, It's not that He gives us more stuff, but it's that His Spirit moves and works in us. God's riches are beyond what we can think or imagine. But because we think or imagine only what we can think or imagine, we don't don't tap into that in that manner. Our Christian lives suffer because we don't live lives strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. There is so much. This is the most difficult thing ever right here. There is so much that is here. As we we continue to go through this passage of Scripture, it says in 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ with passeth, which passeth knowledge. If we were to look at that passage and those, those, that sentence or two right there and to begin to think of this. 
For me to live a Christ-like life, for me to speak truth and love, as we'll kind of wrap this up in just a minute, and we, for me to do all of those things, I have to grasp that I have to truly surrender my life to God. I have to say, God, this here is yours. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to fill me. And as I live like that, as I grow in that manner, as I do those things, this word of God tells me, That I may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ. Listen, what is the love of Christ? I can't really truly comprehend the love of Christ. In my finite mind, I can't grasp a hold of the love of Christ. But as I dive in, As I study, as I read, as I pray, as I walk with other believers, as I do the things that God has said, hey, here it is. I begin to go through this and I begin to walk through this and I begin to continue to go and continue to go. I begin to see that God is amazing. God's love is so much greater than I could ever think or imagine. And as I began to tap in, what did Paul say? Paul said, wow, I am less than all, I am less than the least of the apostles. Do you know what? When you begin to look at how great and how vast and how mighty the breadth and length and height and width of God's love is, you begin to go, oh Lord, wow, you are amazing. And I begin to look at myself for who I am. Not much. And God's love grips grips a hold of me. And listen, how do I live out truth and love? How do I speak truth and love? As I tap into the strength that God is giving to me in the inner man, and I begin to see just snippets of His love, and I begin to look at the vastness of God's love, and I say, wow, God, you love me. And you that love me, that are vast, that is so big and I can't comprehend it, yet you live inside of me. You give me the ability to now love unlike I could ever, ever love. And this goes on. And it says that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think this morning i can't i can't express what all of that means simply because i don't know that we can express what does the fullness of god mean we talked about this in the office this week truly what is the fullness of god begin to just jot down who god is what are god's characters god is love god is patience god is kind god is And you can put everything out there that God is. The fullness of God. But yet it says that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Listen, this morning, truth in love comes as we understand it is through the strength of His Spirit in us and out of us. The fullness. Let me just share this with you. Fullness is total domination. Fullness is total dominance in my heart. Let me ask you this question. What dominates your heart? 
what dominates your life this morning. That is where the fullness is inside of us. If hatred and anger dominates us, guess what comes out? Rage and hatred and anger. If joy and happiness dominates our heart, that is what comes out. When God is the fullness inside of us and we are tapping into the strength of who He is, we are maturing daily in Christ. Listen, what comes out of us is the fullness of God. Though we can't be perfect like God, I can strive to know Him and I can strive to bow before Him and I can strive to do all of those things so that my life, when people look at me, they don't they look at me and they go, there's something a little bit different about you and I don't quite understand it. There's something there. It's not perfection, I can promise you that. My wife and kids will tell you that. My mom and dad will tell you that. There's not perfection. It's close. No, I'm just kidding. I can't attain to that. Man, I can humbly bow before God and say, God, I just want you. I need you. Fullness. We ought to be striving to be dominated by God. To be filled with God is to be emptied of myself. To be filled with God is to be emptied of myself. Truth and love comes through the strength of His Spirit. Truth and love comes from the grace of God to equip the saints. That passage, chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you're called. Paul said, I plead with you, I beg you, would you walk worthy where God has you today? That is an every day, a day in and a day out. That is a moment by moment. But Paul is pleading with the people there at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, would you walk worthy? Would you walk worthy? That word worthy means this. It is literally a balance. It's literally a balance. How many of you go to work every day? Somebody near you, you wish they were worthy of their pay. Right? We all have been at a job site where the guy beside you got paid the same as you got paid, but seems that your hours and his hours just they didn't add up. You went to work and you worked a full 40 hours. They went to work and 25 of them, they were on their phone playing on Facebook. And you're like, wait a second, you're not worthy of your, pay, your paycheck. That's what that word, that's a balance that we would walk worthy of our vocation, of our call. That's a scary thing. At the same point, now we're looking that our lives are to be balanced, that I am to be worthy of the spiritual call in my life. Stop and think about that one for a minute. Is my life corresponding to the high position as a child of God? I mean, that's tough. But that's what Paul was saying to these people, that they would walk worthy that their lives would be worthy of the call that God has placed upon their life. I can't be perfect. I can't do all those things, but I can strive to know God. I can strive to be like Him. i got to get into this really quick, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up here this morning. 
But truth and love comes from the grace of God to equip the saints. First of all, we have to recognize what we just talked about, that the strength of God in the inner man, the Holy Spirit working within us, that's the first and the the firm foundation. You've got salvation, but that we are growing, that God is moving in our hearts. And as God is moving in our hearts, He puts all of these different pieces together. And in this particular passage in chapter 4, He begins to speak of the gifts. He begins to say that there's some of you that are... uh, that are are prophets in verses uh, 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And it says this in verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying, or for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why has God gifted you? God has gifted you so that you would be a part of edifying the body of Christ. Listen, I can have all of this over here But if I'm not doing and and tapping into what God has done and I'm not edifying the body of Christ, I cannot come over here and act like I'm loving everything and that I'm living out truth and love. Because living out truth and love goes all the way through all the steps. Are we following? Listen, here's what's really, really scary. And some of you might think I've lost my mind. Here's what's really scary as I read this passage of Scripture. For you to live out truth and love, who is the pastor here? Y'all think this is a trick question. Who's the pastor? I'm the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church. If you did not know that, I am sorry. My name is Aaron Flanagan. I pastor Oasis Baptist Church. That was the hardest question I've ever asked. But yes, I agree with the, the statement. But I wasn't trying to be tricky. If we were to have a title, my title is Pastor Shepherd of Oasis Baptist Church. When I look at this, do you know it's really scary to me? Matt, this ought to be scary to you. Matt's a friend of mine. He's pastors in town. Part of you living truth and love rests right here on my shoulders as I pray, as I teach, as I preach. Mike McKenzie teaches at 9.30. Part of you living truth and love is as his gift is teaching and, and, and doing those things it rests on our shoulders, Dan's. It rests on Dan's shoulders. It rests on us as leaders as we have been called to do these things. Why? My job is not just to stand up here, scream and yell and make you late for lunch. My job is to come up here and to teach the Word of God, to be diligent to the Word of God, that you would be equipped to what? Now go and do it. See, my job is not to go do all of the things that God has asked Oasis to do. My job is to do the best that I can to love you, to pray for you, and to equip you to go and do the work of the ministry. See, our jobs are to do those things. And as we look at this, and as we look at this passage of Scripture, if truth and love is the end goal, truth and love cannot happen outside of us together. God has equipped you and God has equipped me for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the equipping of the saints that we would what? We would not be tossed to and fro, but we would speak truth in love. So I can skip all of that point and go right to this. And it says this. It says, as we do those things, as we equip each other, as we are not equip each other, but as we edify each other, as we lift each other up, that we would be in unity 
that we would have the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would mature in faith, and as we do all of those things, guess what happens? Now I speak truth in love. Why? Because I am... This is way too close, man. Because I am growing in my spirit, the strengthening into the word of God's spirit is moving in me. God's spirit is working on the inner man that I am growing. I'm being filled with God. And as I'm filled with God, I believe that I now have a part of growing you, not only because I'm a pastor, but because that's a part of my gift. Listen, if your gift is service, if your gift is whatever it is, your part of that gift is not that it's just about you. It's about you to love on somebody else. As we do that, we grow united. When all of our gifts are working, you're united. You're growing in the Word of God. You become more knowledgeable of the Word of God. We do all those things and we mature in Christ. And as we mature in Christ, listen, it says there that we would stand firm, not being tossed to and fro, but instead we would be able to speak truth in love. I've got a whole other point and a half. And it's noon. Listen this morning. I'm done. But I am pleading with you. Speaking truth in love, the last point was that it's an action of the heart. It's not an argument to be won. It's an action of my heart. Because why? I've been strengthened in the spirit that God is moving in me, that God is moving in my inner man. And as God is moving in me, I am walking with God. I am maturing in God. I am doing all those things. And then I recognize that God has called me to be a part of edifying the body. And as we are in unity together, why? Because we're seeking Him. We're growing in unity. We're growing in knowledge. We're maturing together so that when those that are on the outside are looking in, they go, wow, there's something different about those people. You know what the difference is? There's 150 of us sitting in this room today and all of us can agree on one thing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that people are dying and going to hell and we have an answer for it there's things that we might not agree on some of you like teams that ought not be liking some of you are sports fans of horrific horrific teams But listen, you may not even raise your children the way I raise my children. You might not do things the way that I think you ought to do things. But you know what? Because I'm growing in God, I can love you. And we can look at each other and we can go, wow, God is still God. Souls need saved. We agree on everything else. I'm not here to tell you what to do and how to live your life. I'm here to teach you the word of God. There's all kinds of things we'll disagree on. When the outside world looks in and they see 150 people that may not agree on everything, for one, if you don't agree with me, you ought not even talk to me according to our world. You ought to unfriend me. 
and all of the things, right? That's what our culture says. So when the outside looks in and they go, wow, there's some type of a unity, those guys are all kind of together. But yet none of them are really together. That's really weird. That's what God's word tells us about the unity of the body of Christ. We have a voice when we love God to speak truth in love. Truth in love is not an argument. It's an action that takes place every single day. I've been playing softball for a long time. Not a long time. Long enough. I say this for a couple reasons. This past week, I realized that I'm not 20 years old any longer. (laughs) However, I've been playing with these guys for what? Anywhere at five to six, seven years? Sunday or Friday night, as I'm sitting watching, two of them came up to me and said, Hey, where are you a pastor at? And they begin to ask me questions about church. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. If anything, I could, I could speak of jo- uh, everybody else. <laughs> Jack and Dustin and Monica and Rex and uh, Tommy. All those guys are a part of that. Dan is there. It's not just a, a, a me. But they began to ask me questions. One of them I've played ball with for close to five years, has never said a word about church. Truth in love is me being genuine and real throughout the course of time, not just standing there and going, hey, why are you saying that? Why don't you come to church with me? No, it's just loving them. Giving them a high five. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. The same thing with work. The same thing with your neighbors. I don't need to argue. When they say a foul word, I don't need to look at them and go, are you serious? I don't need to. I just need to love on them. You need to love on your coworkers. Because when you win the argument, nine out of ten times, you've lost the opportunity to love them to Christ. And that's what we're about in these days, is winning an argument but we lose the opportunity to share Jesus. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.